seems like the quarterback room in Tennessee is getting just a little more confusing, plus a breakdown of the entire NFC East. It is the Locked On NFL podcast. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, football fans? It's the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, which means you get me, Luke Brown at Luke Brown NFL. I do Locked On Vikings. And uh, also here with David Harrison. Uh, you can find him on the Locked On Commanders and Locked On Buccaneers podcast, filling in for Ross Jackson today. Uh, thanks for coming on, David. Today, I want to mess with the format that we usually do. So usually on Tuesdays, Ross and I will do our Yike and Like of the Week to wrap up the show with some something a little bit more lighthearted and fun. But I just couldn't resist making both my Yike and my Like this story out of Tennessee yeah. in which uh, apparently this is different from the way the Titans started things off. But now Malik Willis is, is going to rep with the second team and Will Levis is going to rep with the third team. Of course, Ryan Tannehill still the starter there. Um, yeah. When Will Levis got drafted, basically the entire unanimous chorus was, well, I guess Malik Willis is done. They wouldn't have done that if they had any faith in Malik Willis at all. So now, <laughs> it, even, even the Titans felt like they, they started that way because Malik Willis was repping with the threes. They started Will Levis with the twos. It felt like Willis was just, okay, looks like that's just not going to happen and it's over and time for him to you know get traded on cut down day for a seventh round pick to see if he can't get a fresh start. That's how we all yeah. felt like this was going. But if Will Levis, who I remind you, was the pro-ready one in the draft, he was the one that came in, think you know, and, and I said this plenty too, hey, this guy can, you know, get you through a rookie season start day one. He doesn't have a complete skill set. He's got a lot to learn, but he can play yeah. during that first year and you can kind of Mickey Mouse an offense around him. Um, we've seen offenses roll with worse. And then hopefully he develops more skills and becomes a more complete quarterback as time goes on. But if he is not mm. able to usurp and even hold a position above uh, Malik Willis, who everybody thought the Titans had given up on, that is a huge yeah. yike for the guy that the whole point of him was that he was coming in further along and didn't like need a red shirt ear necessarily. And then on the flip side, Malik Willis, who everybody thought was kind of a uh, dead in the water. This is yeah. my like of the week that he has proven enough, even just in OTAs to take that step up. It's really difficult to overturn that kind of status quo in camp. Um, that has to be very exciting for him to kind of prove something that even the Titans in their actions, I'm not sure they thought he was going to prove. Right. Yeah. I mean, let, you know, bottom line up front, you don't draft a third string quarterback in the second round. Like you, you just don't do that, yeah. you know, in the national football league. So the Tennessee Titans absolutely drafted Will Levis in the second round, expecting him to at worst be a challenging backup to Ryan Tannehill. Best case scenario he takes his job before the season starts, or you know, we see the usual was like fourth or fifth week replacement for the young guy to come in uh, over the veteran. And I think that's that's what the Titans had to have 
kind of in their brains. And, and, you know, it's really just more confusion, honestly, about what the Tennessee Titans are doing with their team to be, to be completely honest with you, because I'm a big fan of coach Mike Vrabel. Uh, maybe some of that is Ohio state bias. I'm an Ohio state fan have been since the day I was born. So maybe there's a little bit of bias in that, but uh, these last couple of years, man, I'm just, I'm just really kind of confused and, and honestly a little bit concerned of what it is they're really doing. Cause if we go back to Malik Willis, right? Most people, I think, had the impression of Malik that he was a developmental guy. You were you were going to draft him in the middle round somewhere, third round or something like that because of the upside, right? The upside was going to draw you so mm-hmm. much that you were going to go ahead and do something like that. But I think most people kind of had the understanding that this dude needed a couple of years, probably at least, before you could really turn to him to be uh, a starting quarterback. And then you see the Tennessee Titans not only draft him, but then throw him out there as a rookie. And then surprise, surprise, what everybody was saying, uh, on the outside, it you know came true, and it looked absolutely terrible. But now, this year, you go after Will Levis, and I mean, towards the actual draft weekend, there were you know a lot of people were falling out of love with Will Levis, uh, which is what I thought I thought was interesting. Personally, I was never really in love with Will Levis. I, I said on Locked On Bucks, we were talking about the potential of them drafting a quarterback that I wouldn't touch Will Levis until the third round at the earliest, and even then, you Ooh. know, depending on if, if Hendon Hooker was there, who did go in the third round, I would much rather have Hendon Hooker. Uh, over over Will Levis so personally you know I'm not completely surprised I feel bad for the kid I felt bad for him sitting in the green room I wanted to know who who it was that set him up for failure to sit there and pull off the Aaron Rodgers stick uh because that's brutal you know what I mean that's supposed to be one of the the best yeah. weekends of your life and you know forever you're going to be in highlight reels of embarrassment that's so that's just terrible but you kind of mentioned it. it's really hard to have this type of a flip during camp because this is all mental like and it's not even mental from the standpoint of withstanding pressure. This is all learning. This what this yeah. shows you is that Will Levis is Lock not freeze. learning this scheme. He's not learning the checks. He's not learning the language, and he's not making the reads. That is incredibly concerning because I don't care what your physical skill set is. You could have the best arm in the National Football League, the athleticism of Lamar Jackson, the improvisational skills of Patrick Mahomes. If you can't understand an offense, you're dead in the water, brother. So. Not only does it show how badly that Will, Will Levis is doing, but we saw, you know, we saw uh, uh, Malik Willis last year. You're doing worse than, and you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to bag on Malik too much, but you're doing worse than he is at this phase, and all he can show this coaching staff is, hey, I understand the the, the education of this better than I did last year. That's all he really can show you because the the coverage isn't real. Uh, you're not game planning, and and the, and the threat of being hit is just non-existent. So this is bad on a lot of it only different gets levels. harder from here. And exactly, it only gets harder for me. You hate to like overreact, overreact, but I mean, bro, a, a second round pick being a number three quarterback is is absolutely terrible. And you almost kind of hope that maybe this is just Coach Rabel's way of kind of ringing his bell and saying, "Hey, dude, wake up!" But when you look at all the concerns that started to creep up, entering, you know, getting closer to draft weekend, now this on top of it, it looks to me like basically the Tennessee Titans just—I mean, honestly, you have three quarterbacks that really nobody else kind of would want to have in your situation. Yeah, it's it feels almost indecisive, right? Like, what yeah. do they know what they're going to do or what they're even looking for? But hey, long way to go in camp. A lot of a lot left to to decide about this battle. Uh, we'll, we'll really find out our answers when it comes to like cut down day, right? If the if the Titans start making calls trying to shot players, but David, hmm. that counts for both my yike and my like of the week. Yeah. But what about yours? If if you can get through it quick. So I hate to be the new guy to kind of ruffle everything up, but my like is going to come from the NBA. I know you said you, know, you and Ross kind of do this every once in a while, but you know, That's your funny. regular yeah. locked on NFL Monday listeners might not be happy with the new guy coming in and ruffling things up. But Nikola Jokic, you know what I mean? First of all, I am a Nuggets fan. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my Nuggets hat in the background. 
So of course I'm celebrating that. But one of the most unresponsive emotional you know reactions to winning a championship, <laughs> yeah. and then the press conference of like, wait, 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 I don't want to wait for a parade. I want to go home now. And then he follows that up by saying, nobody likes their job, everybody hates their job. And if you say you like your job, you're lying. Well, I like my job, Nicola. You know what I mean? So, uh, or Nicola, but I, I just love his attitude. I love his mentality about the whole thing. And, and, you know, there are some people on the outside looking there and say, well, this isn't a team player. This isn't a dedicated guy. No, it couldn't be further from the opposite. He is so dedicated that the family that helped him get to where he is supported him as a second round pick when everybody was making fun of him and his body type and all that stuff. That's who he shows the most loyalty to. But second to his family is his teammates. And that's exactly what you want in a leader. And, and I'm glad that not a lot of people are really dragging him for it because uh, I absolutely loved it. And then Jordan Love, you actually pointed out to me, Luke, earlier. Uh, calling the Chicago Bears basically his 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 father after Aaron Rodgers went on his tirade about how he owns the Bears and now Aaron Rodgers heir apparent is telling the Bears that they own him and uh, it was an accident an honest accident that anybody could make yeah. but uh you still hate to see that yeah it's some Bears fan asking him to wish Bears fans a happy father's day and uh, uh buddy did you not figure out what they were doing there <laughs> He's just trying it's to be a nice athlete. A funny... you know what I mean, he got a request, yeah. and you know, you didn't want to be the the bad guy to say no to him. We saw the video was a Steph Curry, I think, was asked to sign like a like a LeBron jersey. It was something weird. He was asked to sign like a, another team's jersey. Right. He's like, nah, no thanks. And you know, I was like, oh come on, just just give the kid an autograph. But just, here's why just, athletes like, don't pick do up it. the phone and do like, the cameo. Yeah, yeah. It's, there are Absolutely. a lot of uh, athletes on on cameo, and you can get a lot of really funny moments through that. Um, yeah. Hey, look, we have a whole division that we are going to break down. Uh, David even covers one of the teams, so we'll make sure we get a good perspective there. We're going to cover the NFC East uh, right after a word from the sponsor of today's episode. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by FanDuel. And baseball season is in full swing right now. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one Sportsbook, because right now, new customers, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join in today. You can do it straight up. You can hit a money line. You can hit a same-game parlay. Whatever your taste is, get a taste of what FanDuel has to offer, and you do it risk-free. Because if you lose, again, you don't get the profits, but you get your money back to give it another go on some other wagers right now. The Atlanta Braves have the top odds to win this year's World Series at plus 420 odds. But if you want to stick with the NFL, then the Kansas City Chiefs are your favorites to win Super Bowl 58 with plus 600 odds. And the Philadelphia Eagles, who we're going to talk about here in just a minute, are favored to come back out of the NFC with plus 330 odds. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Moving right along with this episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. And thank you so much to the everydayers, those of you who do listen to this show every single day. We appreciate you. Um, I think let's do a divisional breakdown here. We now basically know the, the rosters going into the season. We know who's playing for who. We've seen the draft. We've seen most of free agency, right? Obviously, some things can change, uh, like the Saquon Barkley situation, which we've talked about mm -hmm. a lot on Lockdown NFL. Uh, all of all of the different days have, I think, gotten their feet wet on mm -hmm. that one. Um, but I figure we can just kind of take a quick moment and say, like, what what do we expect 
from these teams? What would be like a mm -hmm. successful season, I guess, for these teams? And let's start with those New York football giants. What needs to happen for the giants to say, yeah, this thing's on the right track. We don't need to make a giant wholesale change. Like, uh, you know, trying to find a way out of that Daniel Jones contract or changing coaches or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, I think I think you just you just nailed it right there with the Daniel Jones situation. You know, it's it's bad enough that you've got your your star running back, you know, threatening to hold out and, and do all these other things, but you've you've just paid uh, a quarterback and basically married yourself to him. Like your future is in the mm -hmm. hands of Daniel Jones, and uh, he likes to drop things a lot, um, and, and so that's not a very secure place to be sitting. And I just you know. I I got to see Daniel Jones play twice last year in person, right? Once in New York, obviously, once in FedEx, both games against the Commanders. One was a tie, one was a Giants win. And in neither of those games did I come away thinking, okay, Daniel Jones is going to be the reason that the Giants win this game. And ultimately, no matter what his stat line was, no matter what the box score says or your fantasy roster uh, said, at the end of the day, the Giants didn't win and then not lose the other game against the Washington Commanders. Because of Daniel Jones, they did both of those things really in spite of Daniel Jones and um, by in large part due to some of the mistakes that the Washington Commanders made, especially in that second game quarterback, Taylor Heineke. And I just I came away from watching the Giants in, in the playoffs even. And, and you know, we're not going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings right now, but I kind of have the same feel about that team as I do this team, whereas the quarterback may be getting a little bit too much credit. We know quarterbacks always get a lot of credit when, when things go well. But this is a situation, man, where – First thing up front, you got to sign Saquon and franchise Daniel Jones. I wouldn't even honestly, if you if you really want if you really want to believe in Daniel Jones, fine, but at least make him show you growth in year two. If this is really going to be a situation where, man, look, we finally got the right coach with our quarterback, this thing is going to work. Okay, tag him, franchise tag him, let him sit for right. another year on that Give contract, prove that this is really working. Pay the guy who is when he's on the field, he's 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 always your best player. Tie, tie some stuff to incentives. I know Saquon, you know, you, you don't like it, but he's got to have, he had to have expected it. Some, some incentive based contract situations there, but basically prove that this quarterback is actually going to be the guy because, you know, it's hard enough to have a good or decent quarterback year, which I guess Daniel Jones did by most measurements, but it's even harder to have it twice because now everybody has seen you. Everybody has 18 games, whatever it is to, to study of you. This year is going to be even harder for Daniel Jones. Uh, and again, I mean, just from what I saw last year, which I don't see every Giants game, but I wasn't all that impressed. Yeah, it's there's a running joke among like Vikings fans that uh, Ed Donatel tricked the Giants into thinking they had a Super Bowl team <laughs> by the hey, way that they performed I mean, in that playoff game defensively. One of the worst defensive yeah. games. I mean, by far the worst defensive game of the Vikings season, right? Just they fell apart. Uh, far worse than the other time they played the Giants, even far worse than any than the, the Cowboys blowout 40 to 3. They suffered all of that, right? But anyways, um, I, I think for me, I need to see the Giants, and this is going to be nebulous and vague. I need to see them prove that they are more than they were last year. They won a playoff game, good job, and then they went to Philadelphia and they got dismantled by a team that was clearly a contender. And it was very clear that the Giants were not this contender, right? You know, what, what were they ended up like uh, uh, eight, eight and one or nine, uh, eight, eight and one regular season, I believe, or nine, seven and one or something like that. It was nine, seven, and one, yeah. Nine, seven and one regular season. So do better than that, right? I don't need, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm looking at Philly, I'm looking at Dallas, I'm going, okay, you can be a really good team, maybe even a contender and not win this division. There's some good teams here. Um, but I need you to 
go belong in the divisional round. Be in the divisional round and belong there. And then I will feel if I'm a Giants fan, like, okay, this does not need to wholesale change. We just kind of need to wait for a moment where we're not suffocated by the Eagles. Um, and that means you need a lot more than you've gotten out of Daniel Jones. They really have. Like yeah. you said, they've they've done a lot of things in spite of Daniel Jones. They've schemed around the limitations of Daniel Jones, and they need to not have to do that anymore. And Saquon Barkley is a huge thing enabling them to do that, so they've got to figure out that situation as well. But for me, I need to see more out of Daniel Jones before I feel like the Giants are on a track that doesn't end with them, I don't know, winning nine games a few times and then firing everybody and going back into the gutters. Speaking of the gutters, the commanders <laughs> are uh, what, what can, can this season be a season that commanders fans feel happy about? And if so, what does that look like because it feels to me like they're just sort of biding their time until 2024 and all commanders yeah. fans should just kind of like cover their eyes for a year and then like we'll <laughs> we'll just you know just go be baseball fans or something and we'll yeah. we'll check in, uh, in for 2024 but what needs to happen for this yeah well the washington nationals aren't really giving them a reason to be to be baseball fans and the washington That's... wizards just traded bradley beal so they're <laughs> yeah, not really giving a reason to be nba fans and the capitals missed the playoffs DC for the first defenders? time in forever so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, DC sports are, are kind of hurting right now, but you know, I think this is this is a season that Commanders fans could come out looking, looking, looking at the upside, right? And I think that what every Commanders fan is going to want is a playoff berth, but not just getting into the playoffs, right? Earning a playoff win and and not playing this game right. where you're in week sixteen. Not the you're like, All right, well, seed where you're, if this yeah. team wins and this guy loses and this guy over here stubs his toe in the kitchen, then we can get into the playoffs. You know, like you want you want to be comfortable. You know, you want to get through. Uh, the, you know, the post Christmas, you know, between Christmas and New Year's and you want to feel like you you have postseason football uh, to watch. And that's really hard to do or expect when you've got a second year quarterback uh, leading your team and you've got a new offensive coordinator because everybody knows that typically when there's a new offensive coordinator in town, it takes a little bit for that offense uh, to get going. But honestly, if there if there was a team in this division that's kind of built to withstand the new offensive coordinator and the young quarterback, uh, and if you, if you want to throw in the fifth round tag on there as well, because that's when he was drafted, regardless of what their evaluation on him was, the fact is Sam Howell is a fifth round quarterback. Um, it's this team because this team is kind of prepared for this unintentionally. Like, you know, Ron Rivera never expected to be firing Scott Turner after last season or to be in the situation he's in necessarily right now with a fifth round quarterback leading his team. But they have prepared for long for a long time to be a defensive led team. And that's exactly what this team is. And they spent their first two draft picks on secondary help to make a secondary that was already fairly decent. I mean, they had some holes, certainly some, some thin depth uh, after they traded away William Jackson, the third and moved their third corner, Benjamin St. Juice up into a starting position, but because they now have that depth and they have that understanding that continuity within Jack Del Rio's uh, match zone scheme, this is a defense that looks really, really, really young and fast. They also look very intelligent inside of what they're doing. But now they also have some ball hawking ability with Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin coming out of Illinois. Both are guys that are known for making plays at the collegiate level and coming away with interceptions. Now, if that can translate to the NFL, which so far it's translating in practice, but that's practice. You know what I mean? We've talked about that already. Um, then this is the type of team where even if Sam Howell takes a little bit to get used to the starting role and he's getting used to this offensive scheme and the offensive coordinator is getting used to him, this defense should keep them in games early on to give them the time to really get comfortable. And that's how the commanders actually made a reasonable run at things 
uh, last year was defense keeping them yeah. in games while the offense struggled. It's just so hard for me to take Sam Howell seriously. For me, if I'm a, if I'm a Commanders fan, I'm watching Tankathon all year and saying, mm. how can we talk ourselves into getting as an like, as an outsider? I totally get it. Yeah, as an yeah. outsider, I totally get. It. I've had that conversation with many people, um, but they can they can surprise some people here this year. I think I'm not I'm not gonna say they're gonna unseat the Philadelphia Eagles or anything like that, but I think they could surprise some people with how well they do. Well, let's talk about those Eagles and the Cowboys teams that I think are a lot easier to uh, take seriously, and you don't need to explain a whole bunch of things to see the window that those guys are in. That is coming up next. Moving right along with this Locked On NFL podcast. Now we've got the two teams that are uh, definitely going to have the higher odds in the NFC East, the teams that will probably be duking it out, at least as we as, as accurate as preseason predictions can ever be. Uh, let me, you know what, let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys uh, in the expectations for their season. I think both the, the Eagles and Cowboys, I think everybody is kind of saying, look, these guys are super bowl or bust, right? Like you're in a window, make the playoffs, mm. be a part of things is not really going to make like you're, you, they have built what they're going to build, right? They're not halfway through building it. Like, like Washington is or anything like that. They're not in the middle of kind of, Oh, you know, we're, we're getting used to new stuff. No, this is two teams that ran it back and are justified in doing so. And anything other than a championship, of course, going to be a disappointment for them. Um, but from an outsider realism perspective, mm. what, what's the range of outcomes here for the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are a big question mark for me because they look to be making a shift to, to kind of focusing on the defense, which is smart because you got a, a young guy, Michael Parson, who certainly, uh, is, is, is that dude as they, as they like to say, uh, on the streets these days mm -hmm. and, and investing there, <laughs> I think is, is a wise thing. Plus, uh, you had a quarterback that, I mean, let's be honest, man, like Dak Prescott has had several opportunities to show that he was the type of quarterback that could really put this team on his back in the crunch moments or in the in the bright spot moments uh, and in the highest pressure moments. And unfortunately, time and time again, he's come up short, you know, and, and I know a lot of Cowboys fans kind of want to hang their hat on, you know, well, you know, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys beat Tom Brady and sent him to retirement. And, and you know, yes, technically that's exactly what happened. But if you watch any Bucks football last year and any Tom Brady football last year, that moment was coming, whether it was the Dallas Cowboys oh, yeah. or was whether it was another team uh, on the field, you know. So Dak was fortunate to be able to, to hang his hat on that, I guess. But really, I mean, this looks a lot similar to me to kind of what the Baltimore Ravens did last year, which was weird when they did it. It's a little bit more weird when when to see a Jerry Jones-led team do it because I think there's a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy this year, and I think there's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott this year. I mean, Coach McCarthy certainly could, maybe even should be on the hot seat. Jerry Jones is a guy who wants a ring, another ring, and he doesn't want it later. He wants it as soon as possible. And if Mike McCarthy can't show that he's the kind of coach that's going to give it to him, he'll go try to find a different one. And Dak Prescott, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but the Cowboys actually have an out after this season on his contract where if they want to get rid of him and move on from him and, and kind of reset this thing, they can do that and save themselves a, a lot of money and still have a young receiver in CD lamb uh, to kind of build around with a new offense. And maybe Tony Pollard will be healthier, but you know, they got rid of They got rid of Ezekiel Elliott. They really didn't bring in a replacement for him. So now it's Tony Pollard's show with not a whole lot of talent behind him to help him out. They got, they got Brandon cooks. A lot of people ran and raving about that. I don't know how much I'm in love with that situation, but their weapons got worse with the loss of, of Dalton Schultz as their as their tight end. Um, and, and, you know, 
if the defense can keep teams under 20 points, then sure, the Cowboys are going to have a fighting chance every single week. But I, I look at this more, Luke, as a team that this offense may cause this defense to be on the field so much that that defense starts to fall apart. We've seen that happen year in, year out, where we're sitting here at the end of the year saying, guys, this defense really is good. They're just on the field way too much. And I feel like the yeah. Cowboys have that written all over them. So they could live up to the hype and be a playoff team again and be second you know, in the NFC East double-digit win. Or honestly, I could see this com- thing completely implode uh, by midseason, and we're talking about this team that, in a rebuild next year. And talking about what happened to the Dallas Cowboys, yeah, in six months from now. Um, boy, that's a hot take. Yeah, I, I don't know just how much patience Jerry Jones is going to have because I don't know how much blood is left in his familiar for him to uh, use yeah. for the rituals that keep him alive. Um, right. But like the the Cowboys, to me, feel like one of these teams that like this is more or less the build that it's going to be. They've got their Trevon Diggs. They have their Micah Parsons, you know, their defensive cornerstones, their Dak Prescott. They're, they're bought into Tony Pollard, right? They've got like the weapons are the CD lamb, you know, like Dalton Schultz, like they've got the core is going to be what it is. And now it's a matter of keep this core together and make as many runs on that as possible. But is this the core? Really? Should this be the core? Is that good enough to be a core worth running back year in and year out becomes the question. And I think not unlike the giants, like I do, I want to see Dallas get to an NFC championship for the first time ever, you know, for the first time since the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I, I, I will kind of be convinced of that. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, you know, and then I'll be convinced of that. Uh, I, I think we all kind of assumed last year, there were a lot of people saying like, let's just fast forward to Philly and Dallas in the NFC championship. And it didn't happen. Mm. San Francisco came in and put a wrench in that. Um, I will say in defense, in a lukewarm defense of Dak Prescott, a lot of the turnovers that caused that defense to be on the field so long were fluky and unsustainable. And I think mm-hmm. his turnovers will go down this year. Um, but again, that's, that's like a lukewarm thing. There's a lot more going on with the Dallas Cowboys, but right. that's the, the, the biggest obstacle here is that the Dallas Cowboys are going to like, are pretty likely to have to play in the playoffs on the road. And that's a lot harder. And the reason for that is because of those pesky birds. Mm-hmm. So with Philadelphia, they owned the NFC or they ran away with the NFC last year. I know San Francisco and Dallas had promising seasons and we had other teams like the giants and Vikings that were interesting dark horses, but like yeah. it was Philly's conference. It was always going to be Philly's conference. So for me, the expectation is okay. Repeat it. Right. And and they're one of the only teams right. in the league where do exactly what you did last year would be seen as a success. Just, you know, Hey, maybe uh, don't hold uh juju smith schuster i think it was in the fourth quarter at the end and then boom you actually get a ring like they were that close so it's like you don't need to make any changes at all run that thing back and hope you get a little luckier next time um Mm -hmm. that's it for me with the philadelphia eagles but uh i don't know where where do you see do you see them still as the the crown jewel of the nfc with the target on their back that everybody's going to try to take down yeah, absolutely do. You know, they, they had some turnover, you know, and, 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 you know, everybody ran in, raved and, and praised uh, Buccaneers general manager, Jason Light, when he was able to keep literally every single starter and most of their role players from their Super Bowl team, uh, something that hadn't been done the entire, you know, free agent era of, of the NFL. Um, but that, there's a reason that that's the first time it ever happened because it's really hard to do. So the Eagles lost some players, right. uh, but I think they did a really good job of replacing some of those players. I mean, I would say Javon Hargrave, right? The defensive tackle that went to San Francisco, like 
you really don't replace that guy. You just find a new guy and try to try to make do. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you have a guy that just steps into those shoes. But, you know, when you even look at the offensive line, that was probably one of their biggest strengths last season. They lose uh, Isaac Siamalu to, to free agency, but they bring in Tyler Steen. I don't think it's an upgrade. I, I think, you know, if, if Tyler Steen plays the best that he could play with that supporting cast around him on the offensive line to carry him, then it could be a push. I don't think it's going to be a huge uh, degradation either way. The the big story here is really is the, the loss of both their coordinators. And, and Eric Edholm of NFL.com actually wrote an article uh, that came out on, on Monday about that being an overblown storyline. That's really going to be the story here. If Eric is right and these two new coordinators are really not a big deal, it's not going to make that big of a difference, then, yeah, the, the Eagles are, are going to be right in the thick of things again outside of injuries. But if he's wrong, we'll see. You know what I mean? Things to get a little bit sticky. But I think when you look at the NFC East, I mean, looking at just weapons, take quarterbacks out of it, just looking at weapons, I think the Eagles commanders have the best offensive weapons. If, you know, Cowboys after that, Giants after that, if you're looking at defenses, I still put the Eagles up top, right? So you have to say that they're number one. I think Cowboys and Commanders defenses are very close. I don't I don't like the Giants defense. Um, but again, the quarterbacks matter. So then you inject the quarterbacks into the situation. Again, yeah. we have a fifth round pick. You've got Dak Prescott, who at least has been there and done some of this before. Jalen Hurts, who was on an MVP track last year, except for a guy named Patrick Mahomes, who was on the super MVP track. And then Daniel Jones, who uh we don't believe in, but somebody does. And, you know, that's really what's going to make the difference here as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's where you end up getting these NFC East rankings. But the Eagles come out on top in all three categories. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll be the kind of the team to beat, as it were. Um, I, I will say, if you ask a lot of Eagles fans about losing Jonathan Gannon and replacing Michonne Desai, they will say addition by, sub by subtraction. Right. Yeah. And it's been, they, it's been interesting. I mean, it has been very interesting because Jonathan Gannon left for a head coaching job. Like he didn't mm. get fired. He left because the Cardinals were that excited about him. And Eagles fans are saying, okay, great, good riddance. It's very, right. very interesting stuff. Although I think they have a point with the cornerbacks that the Eagles have. Um, yeah. And the way that Sean Desai likes to, to lean, like when, when Desai has good corners, it unlocks quite a bit of that Fangio scheme. Like having good corners um, and, and in the way that, that Sean Desai runs it is not the way that guys like Brandon Staley or Ed Donatel who got fired or like the Packers or Browns who all struggled. Like those are, I, I think that's a broken version of the Fangio system. That's going to get phased out if, right. it, if it hasn't already been, but the Sean Desai way of doing it is a lot more aggressive and less passive and a lot more, um, does a better job. I think of leaning on its players rather than trying to X's and O's and scheme and answer every question on the whiteboard. Um, right. so I, I think that there might be a point. I just like Sean Desai. I think, um, there might be a point to that, but hey, I mean, when you're when, when another team is giving you a head coaching job, I don't care what the fans say. You had to be doing at least something right. So we'll see something. how the NFC East shakes out. It It is again. I mean, it's a team. It's a division that sent three teams to the playoffs last year. I don't think either of us would be super shocked if that happened again. Uh, but it also is that's a difficult thing to repeat. So. Uh, tomorrow on Locked On NFL, y'all get Tony and James. They'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. Uh, but for David Harrison, I am Luke Braun. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.